Now reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, beginning in verse 24. I'll read through verse 35. This from the Common English Bible. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I assure you that you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Don't work for the food that doesn't last, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the human one will give you. God has confirmed him as his agent to give life. They asked, what must we do in order to accomplish what God requires? Jesus replied, this is what God requires, that you believe in him whom God sent. They asked, what miraculous sign will you do that we can see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus told them, I assure you it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven to you, but God gives you the true bread from heaven The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, Sir, give us this bread all the time. Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here ends the reading. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Amen. Well, today's message is really an extended question. What are we looking for? One former preaching professor told me once that we should shy away from titles that are phrased in the form of a question. The other uh, notable professor I had a preaching didn't mention it. I could see no way around it on what I wanted to say today. So if the sermon is doomed from the outset because I phrased the title in a question, I apologize in advance. Hopefully, You can chew up the meat and spit out the bones. What are we looking for? Nearly a couple of decades back, a person who was a regular to our worship services at the congregation I was serving at the time, they came to me uh, one Sunday after worship was over, and they said, Pastor, I did not get it this Sunday like I got it last Sunday. You missed me with your preaching today. And admittedly, my young pastoral naivete was about to get the best of me. I just nearly let my mind go there, thinking that my preaching was supposed to, quote, do it every Sunday for everybody, that I was somehow to hit holy home runs every time I stepped anywhere near the pulpit. What are you looking for is exactly the question that screamed in my mind that I didn't have the nerve to say out loud in response If you could just boil it down and tell me, I wanted to ask them, exactly what it is you're looking for. Yes, you feasted last Sunday, but will worship always be a Golden Corral-style all-you-can-eat buffet? Does a worship service always have to serve you in your diet for the deity? What are you looking for, I wanted to ask, a meal or a message? Based on this experience and many others since then, during these 26 years or so of preaching, 
this text that we read a moment ago today almost becomes like a, a glass of water that gets spilled into the dessert bowl for me. It reminds me that the crowds then are not all that different than many crowds now, always wanting more, still thirsty, still hungry. I do recall that St. Augustine did once say that our souls are restless until they find their rest in God. What a powerful observation. We are hungry and thirsty people. We hunger to be seen, to be known, to matter, to have meaning and purpose. We are also thirsty sometimes for recognition and affirmation that we are seen and acknowledged. We are thirsty for 15 minutes of fame, even those of us who stand behind the pulpit for about those 15 minutes each week. John's Gospel tells us that they came looking for Jesus again. Now, why do I say again? And why did they come? Well, we know that earlier in the uh, chapter, Jesus fed 5,000 with 12 baskets of leftovers, a, a story we read very recently around here. They sat down to eat what Jesus offered, and they were filled with more than enough, we're told. But the author of John's Gospel has Jesus state their motives. <laughs> in verse 26 of our story today, very truly, I tell you, you are coming for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They wanted full stomachs, but it seemed like Jesus wasn't as worried about where this crowd would get their literal next meal as they were. As we know, Jesus had great compassion especially for those who were poor or in need. He had fed this crowd literal food, remember? But he was wishing they would hunger and thirst instead for something more fulfilling, at least for this crowd. They ate the food, it seems, a chapter ago, and the gospel tells it, but missed the meal and missed the message, apparently, a message that still says, whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me... Will never be thirsty. That word believes is a topic of another sermon, but it doesn't just mean whoever agrees mentally with the idea of me. It means far more. He tells them in verse 27, uh, don't sweat yourself with food that perishes, but for food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. In other words, the literal food of this world does have a shelf life. Though, just between you and I, I have often wondered if that applies to Hostess Twinkies. I mean, have you ever eaten a stale Hostess Twinkie? I'm asking you a deep theological question and you're laughing. Back to the point. It's probably best, Stuart says, he just doesn't eat them at all. That's probably much better, Stuart. It seems that Jesus is saying, there are some things in life that are so valuable, so grounded in the sacred, that they never expire. They last long after the worship service is over, long after the marriage is over, long after any celebration or mile marker in our lives. This food lasts during the storm of life. This food he's talking about sustains us from generation to generation. It's as if there is no expiration date on God's 
let there be life. What are we really looking for? What is it that we truly want in life? There was a young man and his sister, maybe you've heard the story, who went to visit their grandmother. And they went during the summer and they were playing in the backyard under the watchful eyes of his grandmother. And he was playing with a slingshot and he shot his grandmother's only duck. The duck, as it turned out, died. His sister noticed, but his grandmother did not, or at least he thought she did not. Anyway, and after that, the grandmother called them in for lunch, and they ate a nice, healthy lunch that grandma had fixed. And at the end of this lunch, his grandmother said to his sister, honey, why don't you wash the dishes? And she said, oh no, my brother will gladly wash the dishes. And he said, I didn't say that. She said, don't forget the duck under her breath. And so he went on to wash the dishes. And uh, after washing the dishes, the grandmother said, Sadie, honey, why don't you sweep up the kitchen? And Sadie said, oh, I don't want to do that right now. My brother will be happy to do that. And he said, no, I didn't say I'd do that. And she whispered a little closer to him this time firmly, don't forget the duck. And finally, the young fellow had had enough, and he went to Grandma, and he confessed from the bottom of his heart, Oh, Grandma, I can want to confess something. I shot your duck today with my slingshot, and she, the sister, has been blackmailing me with this. Don't forget the duck business. She said, Oh, baby, I saw it. I was just wondering how long you were going to allow her to make a fool out of you about the duck. And so it is with each of us sometimes. We allow the time when we know we have been a little off our A game or perhaps the time where we made some mistakes and maybe we lost some perspective and we forget what it is that is truly most important in life, what it is that we should truly be looking for and we get sidetracked. And then we get discouraged or we get depressed, and we blame ourselves, or we blame others, or we become cynical. The people tell Jesus in verse 31 of our text, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. And then Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but God who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of heaven is that which comes down and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread, always. Now, I don't want you to hear this message as an excuse to not feed those who are legitimately hungry. Because as Desmond Tutu once said, the good news to a hungry person literally is bread. And I don't want you to confuse what I'm saying to say that we need to all become centered upon the spiritual to the point that we neglect the physical basic needs of ourselves or anyone else that we all have in life. That's not what I'm saying at all. But Jesus was preaching to a crowd that he, it appears, didn't truly believe was actually starving physically. But it seems he thought they were starving spiritually. 
And now, if it had been a different crowd, one that was truly going hungry, truly poor, or without means to buy their own bread, I believe he would have preached a different message. The same applies today. Most of us listening to this sermon are not terribly worried about what we will eat or put in our stomachs after worship is over. Probably not many of us are thinking too much about what will fill our hearts and lives either. And that is the point. A friend of mine told me recently that she received a letter from one of her junior high school teachers not long ago, and it's been a while. My friend had done reasonably well in uh, her job and in her career path and while still being pretty well grounded. And she said the teacher wrote one line that was unforgettable saying this, thank you for being such a good student. You made me a good teacher. And for that, I'm thankful. Now it's one thing to write the teacher years later, right? But when the teacher writes the student all of these years later, now that's quite another thing. And yet, God writes us each morning with a sunrise and each evening with a sunset. And in between the sunrise and the sunset, and even when it's just the stars outside, God writes us through the phone call or the letter or the text message that we get out of the blue where someone says, I see you and I love you for who you are, not what you do for me, but simply because you are you. Or the time someone tells us just when we need it, I know life has been Incredibly difficult lately for you, but I just wanted you to know that I care. When we do not see these moments as an encounter with the sacred, it is far too easy to just let them roll off of our backs, to use another duck metaphor like water off a duck's back. Or even to ignore them and not give them the full attention that these kind of moments deserve. Maybe if we could become as intentional and fully present when we sit down at the actual dinner, dinner table about the folks sitting across from us as we are when we sit down in the sanctuary for an hour or so of worship, maybe we would notice that we have the opportunities to truly be fed every single day of our lives that go way beyond the literal food we may or may not be planning for our next meal together. Maybe that's what he meant when he said, Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What if believing that God can care for our deepest needs meant that we quit straining our necks to stare upwards into a generic heaven, waiting on a lightning bolt, and instead turned our eyes and hearts in on God's messengers, who often bring truly nourishing messages to us in the midst of the ordinary mundane activities of our lives. What are we looking for? Could it be that it's actually been right under our noses all of this time? May fulfillment, May true contentment find us, friends, like a nice big meal that fills our stomachs. May it fill up our hearts and lives and souls as we encounter God's amazing grace in the places we so often look right past. Amen.